0: Welcome to the Church of Mavis Radio Show. It's Friday night, 7.05 p.m. Central. Listen to United Public Radio, 107.7 FM New Orleans. Moshin with the Apocalypse as always. Uh, this show is dedicated to Betty Boop. Uh, Christina, and she was also part of my family. Chihuahua Chihuahua passed away. Uh, Betty Boop. And let me tell you, Niagara Falls. Like, I was like, how am I going to sleep? I have Niagara Falls coming out of my eyes. And it's been like that all week. But uh, I just know I've talked to enough Pet Afterlife people that when we croak, or they might be, I've had weird things where, like, I see her in my inner eye with my other dog. And at one point it felt like some kind of communication. You're like, am I going crazy? Is there something here tricking me? But I've had enough Pet Afterlife people on that I do think indeed they carry on, and I hope when we croak, we get to see them again on some level. If not, that'd really suck, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first off, uh, we got a uh, Jay Shank with us here tonight. I said that right? Schink?
1: Close enough, Shank.
0: Shank. Like yeah. Prison Shank. Like, exactly. Shank. <laughs> All right, back I got like it. <laughs> i'm from georgia so i'll mess it up so it's all good for for a lot of names i have to ask constantly but uh shank i can remember but uh it's good to have you here and uh we had wham sitting in she she was uh not feeling well so uh we got stephanie quick here tonight thank you stephanie for being here and she invited a cool guest so thanks to both of you for being here and uh just first off would anybody? What do you think about pets carrying on? Do you think we're going to see them again, uh, uh, Jay or? I Seven? I do.
1: Uh, I really hope you're right, but I think I think I think we they do. I hope we I hope to see mine again. I've had a lot of them over the years. Definitely, we better. Me and god going to have a problem.
2: <laughs> really, I think a lot of yeah. people feel that way.
1: Yeah,
0: I saw some creepy preacher Christian. Like I don't think it was Billy Graham or something. But he was like your dog will be in heaven. Like I looked it up and it was like, he was saying something. It was a positive thing. It was still creepy coming from him or whatever, but but you look, I've seen it done shows on it. I've had a lady on that's been on like discovery and stuff. And you know, we've done whole shows on this stuff. So yeah, they better be the rainbow bridge concepts pretty cool. So
2: hopefully,
0: hopefully that's going on as well.
2: There is, um, if people are interested, uh, Recently, I had, uh, within the last few months, um, Susan Demeter, who's a researcher, and she uh, has a blog called Out of My Mind's Eye, and she has a really nice uh, blog post there talking about um, uh, people that have seen ghost dogs and ghost cats and um sometimes their own, sometimes other people's, various types. Sometimes like you'll hear them or or feel their presence. And so she has a number of instances that she had reports of herself and then also uh, some references for places where you can find out more about it. So if anyone's interested, I think that's a great place to start. And she's a real nice lady and a nice writer, too. So very smart.
0: Oh, yeah. I was supposed to show this stuff, some Alabama Mardi Gras stuff. (laughs) For some reason, the plane just died. Go figure. When I picked it up. My life story. Yeah, I like that plane. Yeah, where's the? Okay, there it goes. There it goes. There you go. Basically, big giant floats and people throwing stuff at you, and you going crazy for it. And I'm like, this is fun and everything, but this stuff I could buy at the dollar store for like five dollars. So <laughs> it's like little kids trying to kill each other over it, like sad and like, oh, I miss the whatever. It's still cool, but I just kind of sit there and the stuff I got hit me, <laughs> and I was like, didn't have a choice but to get it. One time we were at one and Christina thought I was looking at some chick, which I wasn't, <laughs> but she realized I was looking at the moon pie at her feet and I was going to go get them. I wasn't like uh, Google <laughs> I on this chick, I was Google <laughs> I on the moon pie. <laughs> Speaking
2: of cats and dogs, or most mostly dogs, we, there was a, a, a art and wine festival that my husband and I used to go to years ago in Walnut Creek, which is a little cla- classier or richer area. It was nice. And they'd have like a ton of food and live acts and art and, you know, like hand hanging basket chairs made out of old wine staves and stuff like all that type of stuff. But the funniest thing was you get past a certain point and everyone's drinking wine all day and they're holding these plates full of food and not paying attention to them. And I I would just look for all the dogs and just be like, you know, (laughs) it's like a smorgasbord for them. (laughs) They find some drunk person just like, Hmm, this looks delicious. (laughs) So it was kind of like maybe that's what it's like for uh, the afterlife for good dogs, which are all they're dogs.
1: just snatching treats all the time. I like basically, that. I yeah, think no, awesome. I, I think that's a, I think that's <laughs> nice to picture.
0: Definitely, you're pretty well. Good. Uh, Jay, I know uh, you're affiliated with uh, or Pan Paracon, yep. And uh, I'm a Capricorn, December 26, 1974, and we have a weird pan thing that I'm always trying to figure out. And uh, you know the origins of it, where it came from, and uh, we've talked about all kinds of different theories on it and everything. But what what happened there? I mean, it, it ha- tell us more about that because I find so it definitely fascinating.
1: The um, the Pan Paracon started in uh, you know 2020. It's the pandemic. A lot of people wanted to go uh, up in the Midwest. Here, we're planning on going to Michigan Paracon, which is a super big one up here in the up in the Midwest. Um, but didn't want to go because of the the pandemic. And a uh, f- couple people, somebody on Twitter, uh, lady goes by Mara, um, just one of the people. That's kind of like in weird Twitter. It was like, we should have, we should just throw one. We should do our own. So um, Vanessa Valyuko and I came together with her, um, organized the first one, put it together in a month. Um, I built the website and got a bunch of stuff going on, Um, did some tech support on the streaming and the Zoom, Um, Marrow did a lot of the logistical organizing, Vanessa booked a lot of the people and we, um, at the time, um, we were really thinking about how uh, Pan has kind of returned to popular culture after the um, two Hellier documentaries it seems like that um now i've seen some books like i've seen the return of pan and a couple other um things out there and i know like they uh some people were talking about like they did a um a reprint of Ar- arthur Mackin's story about pan the great god pan right mm-hmm. around the same time but there's a um i feel like on uh the internet somehow the the everybody watching that hellier documentary in 2019 just sort of like everybody started talking about it and it brought a lot of people together i think there's a lot of people i know so it kind of became um in honor of pan because of the significance of pan in, in that and kind of you know the real summoning on that was like summoning all the weirdos together and we did it we did it two years in a row um steph you were in the first year right yeah yeah yeah. um all online all different uh a lot of different people um not a lot of the usual faces you get with these things i think um some people i think was their first time ever it was our first time doing one but it was a real like diy you know punk ethos we could just make this put it together um we basically uh metaphorically like passed the hat we just had a donation um it was like if you liked it and you've got a few bucks and you can throw it throw it towards the people out there get that so it's gone um we did it in the last two years so we did it um right right at the end of 2021 and 2022 um we'll see if we're doing it this year uh vanessa is spun out an excellent podcast it started just started her second season called personal pans kind of a joke um really cute logo because it's pan but it's I love cute, that. Uh, yeah the logo um i can't remember the artist that did it but the logo is fantastic those have all been really good conversations last year's was all guests she got all, all like a lot of her guests to come on and talk but It's ranged from, like, pop culture topics, witchcraft. Um, We had Rob Christopherson on talk about African UFO sightings, uh, a lot of which aren't well known, but are just, like, wild and fun. That was a great presentation. Yeah. He's talking about um, a UFO that kind of came down somewhere and came to a hover. Then it uh, lowered legs and started walking around, which... I just thought was I'm like, that's fantastic. Like I was really, really into that. But um Is that the weird school one or is that a different one? I know there's one where there's like a school or something. I think so. I wanna say there's there is a famous school one, but it might not I might be not not being the expert on african ufo sightings that might not be the ones i know there was a documentary about the school one i don't you know what i don't think it was i think only it, a couple guys it was just like the, you, the the walker was just like a couple guys where i remember the um the school one was like the whole school it.
2: yeah 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 it was it, a different one which kind of yeah. amazed me because that's the uh the uh, one with the score, which i'm <laughs> blanking on it but john mack went over and investigated that yeah um, and yeah that one is uh become very famous uh in ufo circles but that was great i really liked uh, matt hopewell's um presentation as well yes and, and i'm immediately blanking on what his topic was
1: it was the um well it was it was flying saucers and bug-eyed monsters was the title and he mm. he and katie webb were both addressing um katie was addressing like horror as it relates to like psychology and the phenomenon matt was addressing um the interplay between flying saucers aliens and ufo stuff in the news versus how it's depicted in the movies Mm -hmm. in in respective eras like how that how that changed across time
2: yeah it's i thought it was a really good um presentation and it was kind of fun because I had this uh material that I I, I so and I got this big length of material from uh, a vendor and it was a lot of material and it wasn't I wasn't having uh being able to use it for what I had originally planned but it's fun because it's like all these um redacted it's like if you get a FOIA request yes with large redacted parts oh, but then it's about cool. like uh UFO stuff And then some flying saucer diagrams on there. It's just like white with black. So I sent him a length of it and he had it behind him. So it was fun. And I was listening to his presentation and I I just started like DMing all these people. You need to listen to this. And if people are interested, um, all the uh, Pampiricon um, presentations are still up on YouTube because I was listening to uh, Matt's again, I don't know, about three weeks ago.
1: Yeah. If you uh, if you go to YouTube and search for Pan Paracon, you'll find it. If you go to panparacon.com and link to the YouTube there, it's all... Both years are still up. I think the only one... Um, Rob asked us to take his down because mm-hmm. it was on his podcast. So you have to go dig through his old podcast to find that yeah. one.
2: Yeah. yeah, But Wham! has been on uh, Our Strange Skies, I think, a couple times. Her recent one was on Harrison Bailey, which was fascinating, too, so... Yeah, people are, need more UFO weird UFO stories <laughs> that they can
0: go there. So what do y'all do at this Pam Paracon? I mean, it's like, is this something just online? Or y'all it's just
1: online, it? so, so everybody can go. It's uh, we've, we've had... um try trying to offer some workshops. It's a lot of talks. Um, we've had panel discussions. We've had some really good panel discussions. Um, we did a creativity in the paranormal one. We've had some, like... Uh, very like serious topics, inclusivity in the paranormal, and um, you know, just kind of uh, talking about the levels of racism and sexism and things that exist in the field, even um, amongst the more popular uh, conferences and stuff. And then we've, like I said, we've had, we've had fun talks, we watched um, some really funny like presentations, like Katie Webb. Uh, hers was great. It's just, it's Katie. She has so much energy, but she had a really fun one about horror movies that she related to the like psychological underpinnings of the phenomenon, but it's kind of like going to a paranormal conference, but you're, you can, um, you don't have to wear pants. You know, <laughs> if, you, if you go in person and you, uh, you opt out of pants, they'll probably, uh, ask you to leave at, at ours. It's fine. No one, <laughs> The, pre- the presenters might not be wearing them either. No one knows. You could be, you could be just as e- so long as you
2: don't pull a Jeffrey tube and you're good. Right.
1: But you could be, <laughs> you could be, um, you know, dressed up from the waist up and in your pajamas from the waist down. So your we'll sweatpants. You know, <laughs> just uh, be comfortable.
2: And it's fun because it's not, it's not because the other aspect of, um, a lot of the in-person conferences is that, you know, it's, it's just more expensive. You have to, I mean, I, yeah, people enjoy it and it's great because you get to meet people in person and see sights and sounds, but, um, it's definitely a lot more expensive or people may have, uh, commitments that make it difficult to get away or, um, you know, uh, various physical issues where it's hard for them to travel. So it's kind of nice to have all this stuff online and, um, you know, be able to have that option too. And then I think it opens up a conference to having a lot, uh, like you're not trying to have this big return on your investment. So you have to have like the sure things as headliners and stuff. You can take more of a risk, I think, on who you want to have present.
1: And it's kind of like the show here where you've got, you know, you're in New Orleans, I'm in Ohio, Stephanie's in California, but we can, we can pull it together and do it. So it gives, uh, gives you an option to bring people together without having to, you know, get a plane ticket, get a hotel, like, you know, the whole nine yards. Mm
0: -hmm. Definitely.
1: Sounds, sounds
0: good. And, uh, so why was Pan picked for it? I mean, was there a certain reason?
1: Uh, it was the, the um, I think it was the, it was the Hellier. I feel like there was a little bit that connection with the God Pan there. Because they were, you know, the, the second, like I said, the second season of that ends with them, Greg Newkirk, trying to invoke Pan in a cave. And I think, like I said, a lot of people watch that show. A lot of people... Watched that show and started talking about it, and that linked all. Like, I, I like to think it like it linked a lot of the weirdos together. Um, it's like the real, you know, the real, like, the real gods, like, the real magic was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> but, uh, we Just all, made- what it was, <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, I didn't get to watch it, I meant to watch it, it's on it's, wish lists and stuff, but I didn't ever got to it. It's it, good. Are they doing any more? Or is that they ended?
1: They are as, as, as to my knowledge, as somebody that subscribes to their uh, Patreon. There, I think that um, the case is still ongoing. They're still investigating because uh, it starts out with this whole thing with a kind of a I don't want to say mundane paranormal investigation, but somebody says I saw a creature. Do you want to come check it out? And through all these synchronicities, it, it feels like their 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 conclusion is that they're um, working to like reawaken the god pan, like mm-hmm. that's their that's their overall goal. And uh, I don't, you know, we'll see where it goes. Is fiction or is it like it's a treat? it's true? It's them so, okay, really. Okay. It's uh. I thought it was I,
0: fiction. Okay. You no. Know,
1: I feel the thing about it is it's, um, it's very much synchronicity driven with them, it's, they start out doing research and it ends up gets pretty weird, lots of weird synchronicities that kind of lead them down the path to that. Uh, yeah, I think people think it's fiction because it's well shot, like they had a professional cinematographer, um, Doing it where I think most of this is like if this was me, it would be like me running around in the woods with like yeah. you know my cell phone, being like, "We're doing it!" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, I, thought, it's about I thought to it start. was fiction, but yeah. I believe you. I have to
0: check it
1: out. Yeah. For sure. And uh, I feel like there was a little bit of wordplay because we were in the pandemic, so we got a little bit of double meaning out of that. But um, we do have like a it's like a dedication to Pan on the site for the for the um the show too and i also think um for lack of a better way to put it it was a little more even though we were talking about some serious topics i don't think um it was a little more white-hearted it was a little more uh there's more frivolity and more joy and a little more i would associate that a little more of a um in the spirit of pan than necessarily uh in the spirit of uh, total uh, seriousness or, uh,
2: you know, science. Apollo rigidness. Yes,
1: it was not Apollo's um, conference. It was definitely pans in comparison. That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> Did
0: I send you that weird thing of Cupid and Pan earlier? That was weird. And some, I sent it to you, Stephanie. I don't know if you saw it yet, but... Uh, it's a piece of art of Cupid. Yes. And weird pan stuff going on. You can send it to Jay sometime if you want. But uh, yeah. I don't know what the hell is going on there, but there's a lot of angels and stuff flying around, and there's like a naked Cupid pumping pan's back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like some Cupid and pan Federico Zuccaro, 1600.
2: So yeah. That Jason. Okay. Here, here. Oh yeah. Okay. Let me show you my computer. Uh, you yeah. you're doing the um, <laughs> literacy.
1: There. Oh, oh, God! Street chair. Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> I just a, got an something like by
2: Vanessa Weluco, the head lady of Pamperincad. A synchronicity, oh, right here. There you on go. The show I was going to say,
1: there you go. There, <laughs> there's an official sync <laughs> right there. What's the what's the what's the title of the painting?
2: Uh,
1: it is. I'll go ahead. I've lost it already.
2: It's Cupid and Pan by Federico
0: Zucaro
2: circa sixteen hundred. It's a nice painting.
1: Z- it's a nice painting. Right, it's I'm, weird. I'm gonna look at this again. It's, it's there's a little Nike Cupid
0: humping Pan's back, but other
2: than that. Yes, he is, he is <laughs> I think he is subduing uh, Cupid.
0: In a weird way.
2: <laughs> so look, yeah, you know, I see him down there. It's
1: supposed to be God of the Wild I'm looking at the official interpretation from the Getty here mm-hmm. grabbing one of his ears um, they're basically talking yeah this was this was meant to symbolize the conflict between pure love and pure lust yep so cupid you know cupid is pure love in the, in the romantic sense and pan is pure lust
2: and then they have this great I don't know if people can see but they have all these people off to the side, checking out the action. But they're kind of like too paranoid to, I guess, uh, go over there and do anything. Although I, I guess think that was happening.
1: Or... <laughs> I don't know. That was happening in front of you. I don't know how to react to that. I think that's uh, I uh,
0: stripping balls.
2: <laughs> like this guy is <laughs> yeah. just like, look at this, look at this.
1: Everybody's <laughs> looking at the. Like yeah, there are, people are people are definitely losing their minds here. But <laughs>
0: that's panic,
1: that's panic exactly, exactly.
0: Well, it's interesting uh, to think about all these woodland cryptids and pan and stuff, like from Bigfoot to Goatman to, you know, there's so many different ones. But I think there's some kind of earth mojo connection of some sort, earth power shamanic kind of situation. Uh, and then the weird Bible story of uh, that one dude that had, like, clove hoofs and was hairy. I forget his name. King Esau or one of those stories. It was, like, a Bigfoot pan dude. <laughs> I forget which one it is. Which one is that with the hairy brother, Christina? Esau. Sorry, Esau. Who's the hairy brother in the Bible? Esau? Esau. I Esau. can't Esau. remember. But they're, it's like, like them, he had right. weird feet and stuff.
1: Hmm. I, I definitely... Think- Heard the nature spirit theory. Um, I think that was pretty prevalent in Europe for a while
0: mm-hmm.
1: as a take on, on the, like, the wild man was part of that. So, yeah.
0: what about the, the definitely in, possible uh, Clash of the Titans, Caliban? <laughs> and that, that guy's name looks like Pan in Clash of the Titans. I don't think he was pan. He was something else. But he kind of looked kind of panny.
1: Like he was a satyr? Se- seder. Calibos. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Calibos, yeah.
0: I always remember that when I was a kid.
1: I'm I have to watch it. that. I'm going to have to watch it again. It's been a it while since worth I've it. seen it. All right.
0: Who's the guy that does all those Barry ha! I can't say his name. Barry Housen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are all worth checking out again. Definitely. Definitely.
1: Definitely. They have
0: like a setup on most. I don't know how expensive they are. They're probably not
1: cheap, but like all of them together in
0: Blu-ray or something. But uh so tell us about this necromancy technology that you build in your basement like Dr.
1: Frankenstein. Oh uh, I wish it was <laughs> I wish it was that cool. I wish it was that cool. Um or maybe, Necrons. Maybe someday. No, I uh I was trying this started this is um, just how things converge I was uh, the beginning kind of like right before pandemic lockdown I was trying to fix a camera the camera with a stuck shutter and I was reading it and somebody said it was a uh, resistor goes bad in it or something so I'm like well maybe I can fix that and I taught myself how to solder and then um i actually couldn't fix the camera i had to send it to another guy it was like a little too advanced for like the second time you're ever going to try to try to do something but um i ended up getting really into building electronic stuff during the pandemic and it sort of uh tied in with renewed interest in the paranormal stuff's going on and you see there's a lot of um ghost hunting stuff out there for sale now or there didn't used to be x number of years ago but there's there's all this stuff and i i will say um i really love gadgets i do like i I love gizmos i wanted to check all that stuff out and um as i taught myself some of it over time um i was i also got to question like with a lot of it like what are we doing you know, like people will get a um, EMF detector, which they used to sell just to test uh, signal leakage from wires, you know, your wires aren't insulated well. And um, do you have like RF coming out of something like a um, unshielded circuit? And well, at some point it, it just came into popular consciousness so you could detect ghosts with these and now everybody, like everybody uses them. And I just got like, well, so what is this though? Like, do we mean ghosts are all little radios? We just never knew this. Are they all just, you know, trying to broadcast these little like toots of radio waves at us? Cause that's really all the, the EMF stuff is. And then um, the more I got into it, like I saw uh REM pod, the REM pod device. And I'm like, what is, the, what is the REM pod? Um, found out that those are theremin's. You know, the theremin that we use. Yeah, it's a get, musical the musical instrument. instrument. Yeah, those are just theremin's. So, that's weird. You can, um, I actually, so this is the idea I had. Um, I haven't done it yet. I have to like, drag all the stuff out there i built a bunch of synthesizers that are triggered by like very light touch or they can be triggered by i built a theremin so i instead of having like a paranormal investigation i want to drag all this stuff out to a haunted house somewhere and ask the ghosts if they want to jam yeah like i've got be like i got the theremin i got the synths i got you don't have to You don't I built um, a, a friend of mine has this right now I built a little harp out of a kit that's it's a laser stuff instead of plucking strings you just move your fingers. In between the laser connectors and the pickups and it produces a tone and i'm like all of this stuff is a lot like what they sell for ghost hunting equipment, and we can put this all together and jam with the ghost. That is like a goal
2: I have at some point. Well, and I'm gonna interrupt you here.
1: Uh, go ahead. And,
2: and what I love about this is that, um, you know, there's the, what is a ghost? Or if people are gonna to go to a, a haunted location and experience a ghost, there's a lot of, um, let's say, people will see an apparition or they're doing these things where they can get like uh, EVPs, electronic vocal particles, whatever they're called, which is gonna sound like a voice. Or, um, but then ones that aren't mediated by technology, it can be a feeling of a presence. It could be a sound in your head. It could be feeling of uh, pressure on your body or a touch or people, uh, uh, smelling a scent or something. But uh, what I'm wondering is that a lot of these, um, Ghost experiences that people have. And, and even as we were talking more for, with like cats or dogs, like my, my old cat, you know, he had a certain voice and a certain, he actually had a smell to him, which was really beautiful. Um, and so it seemed to me like a lot of these are kind of like aesthetic things. So if you had like someone who would like consistently hummed in like a, a, a certain chords progression or something or someone who would whistle something or someone who had a favorite song, like all these type of things could be accessed to kind of convey, not just like a, cause we always think of like uh, meaning, like with words or something, but more uh, this person's preferred aesthetic or the aesthetic that they share with the person who is important to them that they want to communicate to. So I think that's a really cool idea because my suspicion, now this is just me talking from my own experience. I'm not trying to say anything to back it up, but, um, It seems to me like a lot of uh ghosts it's like it it takes some practice or you have to have a certain facility with every with whatever you're trying to get across and so i'm thinking if it was someone who was more musically inclined or have more of a music musical connection in fact i just heard today from a a young man and his uh girlfriend that he had a number of years ago died a few years ago and, and since then he's had a number of encounters with her including very mystical Um, and very erotic encounters with her. But he, uh, they both were musical and sang and played instruments and composed music uh, together. And um, he notices that he has like a really strong connection with her around music. Like sometimes he will kind of feel like she's wanting to come through and then he'll like the song that she really liked will come on the radio or he'll put on some music that she really liked and suddenly she's there. So, Jay, I think that is super fascinating. I know that in one way it's just kind of like an idea and an aesthetic thing, but, but I think it has a big p- potential for uh, to facilitate communication, really.
1: I'd like to try it as a different experiment. I know some people, um, I, I remember a case uh, where I want to say it was Alex Matsuo has done this and a couple other people mm-hmm. have um, brought uh, music from the era of when the person was living and played that, and it's facilitated communication and it gotten better responses for that. Um, one of the things, so this is uh, one of the things that we had um, with um, Panparacon was a talk about how, how you treat your ghosts. And Alex talked about this, and yeah. this was saying, you know, like, we're going to go to a place that's allegedly haunted, okay, and, and be like, kind of get real hyper with the ghosts and be like are you there show us a sign how did you die and i don't know if like i we were talking about our pets like i want to play with my pets again and as a person i don't know if i would want like strangers yelling at me about how i passed or demanding that i like do this thing for them but i also think that so inviting inviting communication or interaction even. Let's let's say interaction, not even communication, yeah. um through play might have a little more merit. It's like it's just like I not I haven't come to interrogate you. I've come to just see if you wanna do this like activity with me. It's like we're just gonna we're just gonna do this. Thought it might be fun. Thought it might be something um that we could we could share and it doesn't have to be that kind of uh interrogative process so i hope to be able to um drag all the stuff out and do this at some point
2: Um, that sounds super fun
1: we've got we've got the laser harp we've got uh this touch synth we've got the real therein so Mm -hmm. all the stuff i've i've built um built it all only screwed it up a handful of times it all works now (laughs) it's kind of had to um it's a learning process but yeah and i'm um that's become like kind of another avenue of creative expression for me is 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 building the stuff i built i have built um not making fun of the emf thing i built those for a few people to take out in the field and, and use um although i've had uh katie webb i built one for her she told me she thinks i'm working on a ghost box for her she thinks uh, the hand built stuff works better than the uh, mass produced stuff.
2: I would not be at all surprised because I have this idea from, um, well, I want to say uh, that the people that I have trained with in uh, various uh, esoteric pursuits, spiritual pursuits over the years, it's always been, I want to say, you are uh always focusing on using your body your own uh, energy and space to create what it is you need to manifest anything in the world so um but also so that's kind of like your main temple would be like your your body like in uh in your consciousness like in tibetan buddhism uh, with my uh, teacher leslie temple Thurston, and and other people that i, I learned from including my Uh, beings I met during my near-death experience. But as a corollary, right, if you want to uh, create or uh, facilitate change in consensus material reality, right, you need to find a a target for that to work through. So, um, for example, when I lived up at the Tibetan Buddhist uh, meditation center, uh, Lama Lama Kunga Rinpoche would make these uh, treasure vases, right? So they'd be like a nice... um, ceramic vase He paint it and fire it and then you put in uh various objects and uh, incense and jewels and you know all these various kind of uh, uh ones with symbolic qualities or um let's say you know that uh inherent qualities like you know herbs and things like that okay then you have the vase and he make it a special altar put it on the altar and then you ha- have these strings coming <laughs> the vases you need to hold the strings while he was meditating which would take on like a month or so and then it would be charged up and then you could have it's kind of like a battery that's charged up and it could be for like wealth or whatever or uh, peacefulness and then you end up uh, putting it in an auspicious uh, location on your property and then it will be emanating out this you know whatever you charge it up with so I would suspect that when you're hand making these things with intention and you're focusing on what you're doing, a very similar process is occurring. So I have no doubt that that uh, Katie would find that your handmade uh, custom pieces have a completely different energy and work better than uh, the mass-produced ones because they're a lot of it is the intention and the focus. Uh, of whoever's creating something, so
1: built with lots of love and only a little swearing. And only a little. <laughs> uh, only a little. You burn your you might burn your hand a little bit doing something, and just uh, what's that silver
2: smell?
0: <laughs> one of my biggest experiences is I was at Silver Lake in Florida, and one day I had been watching some. I grew up in Christianity. I like the other belief systems as well uh, Native American Norse, a lot of shamanic things. We have them on all the time uh, from Arthurs to, you know, the real deal. We had Serge Kahali King on Huna from Hawaii. That was interesting. I got shot through the telephone during that by lightning, and luckily I had sandals on and didn't die, and he goes, that's a sign of great power, (laughs) which is funny, but I guess I don't know if he was just making a joke or just being, you know, like, I guess it is but uh that's a a subject that i love but one of my big paranormal experiences has been seeing beings of light and at first it took me a while to even talk about that because a lot of people hear that and they go oh god you know here goes the light worker woo woo but i saw two beings of light leave my house like they had been inside of my home and flew through the roof into the heavens Completely sober, not even nicotine. And there's been other times I've been under altered consciousness and seen stuff. But that time, nothing. And I had some DVD on the, you know, TV playing Psalms or something. And something goes, go outside and, and, you know, look. And I was like, okay. And I did. And I've had that happen before. Something tell me to go outside and look. That's when that weird firefly UFO with the red ones happened, too. Something tells me i don't know what it is it's like a thought but anyway i went outside turned towards my house it was as if they were in the house visiting or something and i saw two come out of the reef and fly into the heavens and i didn't have a phone i don't even know if i had a cell phone then but i didn't have any way to catch it god i wish i did i've had an artist draw it hmm. uh, but there's been several times one time I was under the influence of some psychedelics with a friend and I saw one standing on a cloud doing his hand like this, like no, like naughty. And, oh. and and he, we had just started, you know, tripping on, on something. I'm not going into too much detail about that, but that was a long time ago, <laughs> but we pulled the car over and we weren't that far from home. And, you know, yeah, we should have been driving. He was driving, but we, we, it wasn't that long that we were driving. We wasn't that far. We were like three minutes down the road or something. But it was on the cloud, going like this, and we were both like, "Do you see that? (laughs) Yeah, do you see that?" And I wonder if it was like my dad. Like I don't know, but there's this weird theory that somehow when we croak, or maybe now we're light beings, and maybe or maybe when we croak, we become that. There's something about the light being situation that uh, I I don't know. Ron Howard's cartoon, you know, Opie might have been tripping a little bit for that one but you know, there's something about it. I got to close this door with these dogs. I swear my dogs, I don't really want to get into this too much, but they have the worst gas that smells like Bigfoot.
2: And I just hit me in the face. But anyway, new subject. All no, right. Jeffrey, gonna... actually, actually, I'm gonna... Jeffrey, if I could uh, follow on from what you just talked about with the uh, dogs and gas. <laughs> because <laughs> All right. All right, I ahead. was thinking to you because um so actually and it just dropped like right about the time that we started recording um I had recorded a an interview with Jeremy Vaney about like about a month or so ago on um kind of uh sex and the erotic but in the supernatural on his dreamland show so I was really nervous about it. And I was, of course, really nervous about it dropping I mean, He He, actually, he asked, uh, I thought, a lot of good, uh, interesting questions. So I thought it was, hopefully people will enjoy it. But, so I'm plugging, but here's the beh- behind the scenes as it were. Yeah. So I was real nervous I'm talking about sex magic. And so I'm in the house and trying to get it together and think about what I want to say. And then um, a couple hours before I start having like this really bad flatulence, and it's not like something you could finesse. You know, it's like, um, you know, like Nandor Fordor investigating ghosts or poltergeists in the olden days and say, like, there was a sharp report. <laughs> 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 I was like, no, this is, Stephanie
0: Quid, our is here. <laughs> the dog is looking at me. <laughs> Yes.
2: So I was talking with someone. I'm like, "No, no, this is terrible." And I'm supposed to be on top of all. I'm supposed to be talking about sex. It's like the worst thing. He's like, he's like, <laughs> play it off like it's a ghost fart, like on the old art bill hoaxes.
0: <laughs> These dogs are two terriers, and I got them from a, a shelter. Someone abandoned them behind a motorcycle place, and oh. they named them after Japanese motorcycle Suzuki and something. I don't remember their yeah. Names. They've had several names with Bruce Willis, Clint Eastwood. Now they're Blackie and Goldie. Like, their names seem to change. Oh. But but anyway, to survive, they had to eat their own food. Yeah. And it's a habit that they're never going to break, ever. So, basically, they do that. And when they have gas, it's worse than it could ever possibly. It's like, I don't even want to insult Bigfoot by comparing it to what maybe Bigfoot smells <laughs> like. but.
2: That's
1: rough.
0: That's, whoa, it's like that's, double on double dude. turd farts. <laughs> but anyway, beings of light, there's something to so, it. Yeah, switching to, back to beings of, of light, <laughs> they probably have farts as well. But well, no
2: it's
1: rainbows. The uh, <laughs> I got I got some. Um, I mean, that was well. That was the that was my line about the. Um, the emf detection at when i first (laughs) talked about this i'm like well what is what if that's ghost farts what if every (laughs) time that meter beeps the radio waves i'm like what if that's how they do that they're energy beings now and that's they're just they're just um that's all your that's you think like oh this is this is a significant presence in your life significant presence of something (laughs) talking though you know this actually ties into the original uh art and the paranormal thing we were talking about though with like the beings of light and the red all of this stuff all the stuff that we encounter now i i hit a point um last summer Uh, i went to uh Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and uh, saw the Mothman Museum, saw the TNT area. I don't know if you've, either of you have ever been up that way. It, it's, worth, it's worth it. Um, it's pretty neat, especially if you're into that stuff. But I picked up uh, John Keel's The Eighth Tower, and a lot of people haven't read that that I've talked to, but it's kind of a bummer. And Keel sort of gets to the point where he's just like, I don't know, all this stuff doesn't make sense. All this phenomena just doesn't, it, it, it it's, it's, it's insane. It doesn't make sense. And it is, is the universe crazy? And uh, I was thinking about this for a long time. You know, probably this has turned around in my head for six months, and I'm going, you know, maybe he's right. I don't know what to say about it because a lot of a lot of the traditional investigation avenues kind of plateau after a point but um one of the jobs of many jobs that i've had in my life was a security guard in an art museum which is which is a pretty pretty nice gig i mean i guess if you hated art it would be terrible but i i don't so um i really Um, Really enjoyed my time there and I still, you know, I like to visit museums a lot. My, My professional degree is in art. And I was realizing that a lot of the way people, I saw people react in museums to like modern art, specifically surrealism, but abstract art mirrored the same kind of emotional response as people get to the paranormal. They're just like, I don't, what's this about? like i don't know what it's about i can't categorize it i don't get it and there's a lot of frustration from that and when i realized um that's not the right way to look at art either um and what i what i realized about this is you can use art specifically like modern art surrealism abstract stuff to kind of consider how you think about the paranormal because Really, when we're looking at that stuff, it's it's cliche to say that a picture is worth a thousand words. We're looking at things that can't really be. It's not like advertising. It's, you know, a lot of things people don't get like a giant billboard does not appear in the sky that says, like, hey, it's your dad. What's up? We get, um Because that would be like extremely clear, hmm. extremely clear. But we get things that are like they're almost you use the same logic as dreams which governed a lot of that art the surrealists were trying to bring that dream logic into the real world merge it into like the super reality they called it but we can look at interpreting these events kind of like and and I'll say Jeffrey like you're already there like you're looking at this a lot of people are just trying to categorize it like that's a that's this and it means that and it's like you know, it's an experience and it's something we perceive on an intuitive level, not necessarily on a rational level.
0: Definitely. And there's something to suffering that brings it on. That's my case. I mean, that's not for everybody, but there's, there was a shamanic death going through testicle cancer and losing a meatball at 17 and, uh, and then my dad dying. Somehow suffering and pain calls the senses to opening up. And uh, it's kind of like Odin losing his eye, but a meatball. <laughs> there's something to it. And I've heard that with a lot of different people. Not everyone that has this phenomenon has that kind of stuff happen, but a lot of them, there's something to it, for sure. It's like suffering opens up the senses. And then the best thing to say with a lot of this is I don't know. I still don't know. But I can guess and I think there's something, the light beings I think are us without our bodies, but some people think they're angels or aliens, but I think there's something to us in a body of light. I mean, that's a lot of different belief systems talk about that, a body of light, you become a body of light, or we are that now in some level. But uh, yeah, and that's, everybody that co-hosts the show has had weird stuff happen to them, God knows Wham has. Jay, he has a, he saw a Bigfoot. Looking in a window at children.
2: A second story window. Yeah. That and was then, a wild experience.
0: And then it got mad that they saw him. I've never seen a Bigfoot. Why does Bigfoot just show itself to, like, Republican hunters that want to shoot it in the face? I, I don't see it. a Bigfoot. Gotcha. <laughs> you know?
1: not not naming names um people see there's a a lake out by the uh we have all these right where i am um lake berlin there's all these army corps engineer lakes out here and one of my friends people see them out by all the time but one of my friends um told me this she she told me this like three years ago i didn't know it at the time in high school bigfoot was watching her and her boyfriend have sex oh Uh, they were out there parked and yeah, so, so how does she I,
2: react? How, how does she react to it? Did you ask her? Or? I did. She
1: was just like, they were creeped out by it and were kind of like, Bigfoot's kind of a mood killer. I mean, unless Bigfoot was really specifically <laughs> your thing, like, I would think, like yeah. unless you have a real like, let seeing Bigfoot turns like, you on, Bigfoot Zodiac, <laughs> but you're just well. <laughs> that, yeah, that, I mean, you don't want to run. I feel like that's like, you don't want to run into anybody out there. You don't want to run into like the park rangers or anything. You really don't want to see Bigfoot peeking at you while you're in no. the act. So
2: well, it's such a weird overlap too, between kind of like urban folklore and then the cryptozoology folklore and then all the, uh, you know, true crime stuff about, you know, like the, the Texarkana Arcana. Uh, murders was it that the town that dreaded sundown they made a movie yeah. about it that yeah. those were yeah
1: I there's something again where this is like I don't know if it's the subconscious mind tears loose around these areas. Um because there were a bunch of murders out by this lake too mm-hmm. later on that are still unsolved and it's uh I I don't know there's something about that but I I don't I don't think it will ever make logical sense is where I'm at today. I don't know if I'll change on that, but I'm now I'm looking at it. It's dream
2: logic. And that's exactly it. Because it's like you look at, you know, Lover's Lane, it's like a a liminal spot. It's, um, you know, especially if you have unsolved murders. That is a very liminal uh, space. That's, that's, I think, drives a lot of the energy with a lot of true crime media.
1: I um, go
0: missing there, too.
1: Yeah. Um, and I just think some of that water, like lakes, that's a common, like on the shore. Um, yep. I don't know if them being man-made lakes <clears throat> turns that up a little bit.
0: Well, uh, I've interviewed David Polites many times. It's been a while, but at least five times. And one time it was for a written interview on Examiner, and uh, I asked a Bigfoot question. And he kind of got upset and said, Jeffrey, I can't ask that. If I bring that up, the missing families will think I'm crazy. But kind of alluded to there's a connection there on some level. And I think there is, but I don't think all those cases are Bigfoot nabbing people and eating them. Maybe some right. of them, though. might be a smorgasbord of things, but... I just remember <laughs> his him an email basically admitting that, that he just couldn't bring it up. Now he don't give a crap. Now he's like making a documentary that's alluding to Bigfoot. Now you have missing 411 UFO connection, yeah. which I haven't seen yet, which is fine because I think there's something to it. But.
2: I don't know. I think most of it is at least the, the ones here in California that I am familiar with. I mean, it's just well, it's just, like terrible, like Julian Sands. I mean, nothing. He just he was in the wrong place at the wrong time.
1: There are um, a, there are a number of like spooky Bigfoot stories with extra mm. stuff happening. The one I think of um, is the um, Momo, the Missouri Monster, because that had a lot of UFO activity. There were strange sounds. They heard like sounds like the industrial machinery in the woods, they had a voice call out a couple times on that. Um, I don't know if either of you are familiar with the Small Town Monsters documentary series. the first thing I
0: thought of. Okay. Well, he's
1: he's from, um, not right by me, but that guy grew up about 45 minutes away from me where I'm at. We actually showed uh, his first movie at a film festival down in Canton, Ohio, but he's got a real... His documentary about Momo is good, and then I can—I want to say it's Siege at Chestnut Ridge. Yeah, that's another UFO Bigfoot crossover. Bigfoots, yeah, and some um, poltergeist activity, and there's definitely some of that. um, That's again why I say it's dream logic. It's just like you know and you think um oh yeah because that would be what you would say I had a dream and there were ufos and they landed and white bigfoots came out and then i heard a voice and like there, you know it's just it's a lot of um different stuff occurring at the same time that just seems like
2: i wonder too because jay you t- you're, you'll be you know artists you need to find your medium right right you have something to say or to express you need to say okay should i be a poet am i going to be painting in oils you know making uh you know film whatever there's like all these various media that you can the same person can express through and person my personal theory um that I wonder about is that it, it, and it seems to me like different people who have like various side talents, like Jeffrey, you're always seeing things and other people see things with you. I very rarely see anything. I'll just get like these like stupid synchronicities, (laughs) right? Um, Different people have these different talents. And Jay, I wonder about when you have um, kind of like a window area, uh, window time going on, and you have a number of different people having these encounters. Um, you know, I, I think it's Greg Bishop has the idea of co-creation, mm-hmm. that uh, there's something outside of us, and we're coming together with it. And I kind of wonder if it's just kind of, uh, there's a big ball of saying, let's have this weird thing happening, people encounter it, and it trips off whatever your talent happens to be.
1: I think that's a distinct possibility Um, I'm not as far as, um, I've had probably the fewest amount of weird things happen to me uh, of the, of the thing (laughs) so far, but I haven't had, like, I haven't had, um, near death or, um, Mm -hmm. most of the stuff, like I've come, stuff has happened around me, Mm -hmm. but not directly to me. So a lot of that, um. Pain and Suffering has been indirect, or I've dodged it so far. I'm going a knock on wood, <laughs> knock it on my head there. But uh, I do think that's possible. Um, I think that, again, like I remember reading, I read uh, Scott Rago's first book last year too, and he thinks that that's a lot of what it is, or it's a lot of um, the, the people with the high sciability or the high talent get put in um the right situation where i don't want to say like a stressor but whatever whatever is going to trigger it is there mm-hmm. in that area and you get whatever the whatever the thing is so yeah. but it definitely does seem like um there are there are areas though because there's when i talk to it's it's stuff that hasn't made the news when you talk to people like talk to farmers around that lake people Mm. have seen the um the red-eyed bigfoot Mm. and stuff i there's been some ufo sightings there plus the murders you know and just generally um that's not happening you know i'm living okay really i live about eight miles from the lake that's not happening eight miles away Like, it's relatively, reality's relatively solid over here. (laughs) Well, it's
2: it's interesting, too, that you talk about, like, conditions. Um, Sadly, Wham isn't here with you because um, she is uh, very familiar with uh, Eugenia Macer's story who was an experiencer. She was up in the Hudson, New York. She was a, Oh, perfect. You, he's I got, got the it.
1: book. I've got the Eugenia. It just came today.
2: Yeah. With uh Ben Royland's uh, Outport books has put together a bunch of her yep. works on paper.
1: What yeah. book is it? What, it's what? a Eugenia Macer story, paintings and works on paper. That's all it's called. Um, he, uh, a port books. He's on um, Instagram. I literally just DM'd him, and I was like, because he doesn't have a website. And I was just like, hey, I want to get one of these. Um, but where yeah, can get
0: it where can you get it? At? I I knew her. I, well, I still know her, but she uh, been on. I've interviewed her, and she once sent me a box of a ton of her books and an
1: old laptop. A port. It's called a port books. They're a used bookstore. I think they're over on the other side of PA. They're over near yeah. Philly, or I would have gone in person. That's like a little bit of a drive for me. But uh, a port, like A-P-O-R-T a port, A-P-P-O-R-T books. Look them up on Instagram. Just send him a DM. I just PayPal'd him and he was like, I'll mail it out the next day. I think I talked to him on a Saturday, threw it in the mail on um, Monday and it came today. Where is it at? Pennsylvania? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Over near Philly on that side.
0: And I know you brought up this Scott Rogu. I'd never heard of him before, and I looked him up and there's like some weird stuff, the documentary on the strange murder of parapsychologist Scott yeah, Rogu. is that
1: I, what's up now, with that? I don't know now he got he he was a really um Wrote a lot of books, really prolific author. I want to say he wrote like thirty or forty books. He wrote um,
2: one on ESP and your pets, I think. Yeah, has that a one is, picture on the front.
1: That's rare. I'm trying to find that. If anybody out there listening has one of those and wants to let it go for something reasonable, track me down. But uh yeah, he got he was selling his house. And he went to check on something and got murdered. And they put it down to two guys, just as a robbery gone wrong. But I don't know. He's he was a really. I feel like he should be as famous as Keel or um, Wow. My brain just died. The Frenchman. The I'm US. gonna
0: look for some of his books. Valé,
1: Valet. You know,
2: Frenchy, as I like to call him. Yes, I'll
0: like check out i I've never heard of the dude. I'll check out. I yeah. saved his name. He and stuff.
1: came up, um, again, trying to understand uh, a little bit of the science of just what we're doing in the first place. I picked up a book called Paraacoustics,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they reference some of Rago's work in that.
2: I came across him uh, mostly um, years ago. The Tahunga Canyon contacts, he and Ann Druffel wrote that book and it okay. investigated those cases, which is to me, there's a lot that I can read about at this point that, that I'm fine with it. But the, some of the uh, encounters there is like a very interesting case because I, uh, I believe Logo was gay. And then um, these women who, in the Tahunga Canyon contacts, are part of a kind of like a friendship uh, group of uh, like lesbian ladies who are living in this remote Canyon in uh, LA. And this is like in the fifties or sixties and, and Ruffles wild because she investigated this, even though she's like a Catholic kind of more traditional type of person. Um, but she and uh, Rogo did a great investigation of everything that was happening with these women. And it came out to Hunga Canyon before it's like kind of an ongoing, uh, case of abductions of contact and stuff like that uh which came out prior to um bud hopkins missing time book so it's kind of before that as well but there is one i don't know why this is one thing that freaks me out the most the two women are in this canyon they have pulled over to the side of the road for like they're already starting to get an altered state of consciousness and um They're not really sure why they're there. I can't remember if they see a craft or not, but the one uh, woman's young uh, son is in the car. And these beings come up and they're built pretty much like humans, but they're wearing like completely matte black, uh, skin tight suits, including kind of like a fencing mask. They have these really creepy illustrations in the book. And it's like the one being really wants to get to the one woman and find out about her son And the other one is trying to talk them down and the one just gets the car and starts shaking the car when they're inside it. I was just like, ah. Um, Probably because I grew up in California, I've spent a lot of time in like creepy old mountain roads where you're deserted and you may not see anyone drive through for like hours or days. Um, but yeah, it's a very interesting case. They use some uh, hypnosis in there, but it's like, you know, with a hypnotherapist, very responsible, um, they follow people up for a number of years, and there's a number of uh, different uh, kind of classic uh, altered time being shown up in your house, uh, strange lights, um, healing, uh, lady uh, getting an idea about how to heal breast cancer using vinegar and trying to get it to you know, just so it's like yeah. a lot of the classic stuff stuff that you see with these kind of ongoing contact cases um but it's yeah it's very good and very interesting i think i think they did a show on it on our strange skies if people want to have like an introduction to it although i had to uh, take a little bit of umbrage because at one point they were like oh yeah these ladies worried about getting uh, abducted by motorcycles uh you know when they're driving out at night it's like well, guess what back in that place in that time yes that was a worry for every woman, but especially if you were uh thought to be gay or whatever uh it was not unheard of this is the 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 height of the serial killers of the the classic as they call them yeah zodiac and all those other yeah terrible people so yeah but it's it's very interesting and the whole male you of it is very interesting it's like uh geographically they're remote and socially there's a lot of this this hidden tension of you know trying to um you know not not being uh you know Susie happy heterosexual homemaker
1: right you
2: know um so yeah i would i would recommend that but that's another uh book by scott robo so and it's kind of
0: it's like mm -hmm. three books on amazon so all right i could do that (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah no it's a good it's a good one it has some creepy stuff and it's I, nice too because you kind of get uh, uh a lot of it is written together but then some of it is um you know they have times so you can tell this is clearly and viewpoint and this is clearly uh scott rogo's viewpoint so it's it's nice
0: yeah sounds yeah. like he has books that range in price i've, I've noticed yeah yeah that- like uh already six killer Clark's first book about Native American Star People encounters like three hundred bucks or something now. And it's like
1: what and
0: Yeah. I did dig um, that out and make sure mine was okay.
1: <laughs> they uh, they reprinted some of Rogu's stuff. Those are they, like you can those are doable. Some of the stuff like um ESP and your pet that's been out of print since like nineteen seventy five is like like I said, if anybody's Willing to let that go for a reasonable sum. I'm trying to find it, but uh, there's. Um, but he really um, he was definitely more on the psi hypothesis that we're co-creating
2: a lot of this stuff mm. on our own. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think that uh, oh, the other reason the reason I brought up Eugenia Mesa's story because yeah. you're talking about like the kind of. Uh, collision of person in place let's say yes um because one of the things that eugenia mesa's story did was she came up with this um kind of mathematical scientific theory called the fluid ice theory uh which has to do with the fourth dimension interacting with the three dimensions that we live in and uh so certain three-dimensional physical characteristics and processes will uh, potentiate and facilitate site expression. So one of the things that she talks about is areas where you have, um, again, like a lot of water and then, uh, I'm going to say, like uh, hills, where there's like a, a big uh, difference in altitude okay. s- swiftly. So if you have something that's like, let's say, a lot of uh, man-made lakes, we have one here, like Berryessa, where one of the... Uh, probably most famous uh, Zodiac murders happen, is uh, uh, a man-made and uh, damned. And uh, uh, they still have a number of drownings there because it's a very steep incline. (laughs) They're like that. Yeah, but she says these type of steep inclines um, and uh, bodies, especially in your bodies of water, would tend to be areas that you would have... uh, a greater facility of psi expression. She also talks about um, oxidation, fire, and also rust. She had some strange experiences with uh, um, rust and ritual that tended to uh, manifest in certain, um, let's say, uh, physical things happening or synchronicities. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I think there she's definitely on the avenue of, and that's kind of what I tend to. That there's certain uh, times and places that will be uh, more amenable to uh, psi expression. Okay, that's family- interesting. Mm-hmm. Just
1: because I'm flipping through the the, um, the book, right, mm-hmm. really quick, and the first thing I flipped to is uh, uh, one of her paintings that used a lot of rust color, reds and browns. So there you go interesting though again to me how um i feel like there's an ability again with art to communicate these things almost on a subconscious level and understand it that way that just sort of bypasses really trying to logically interpret that although i really want to read that um i have to will have to dig more into her but her work from what i seeing here definitely fits into a lot of this idea to be of um like just the surrealist expression expression the unconscious Mm -hmm. but as that um that really just seems to map to how profound these experiences are for the people that have them the people that see the stuff or witness the witness it or have the experiences with even if it's with entities or uh just, um it's almost uh it's almost like it defies words
2: it's an interesting thing because I've, I've uh for many years done these kind of synchronicity experiments where i try to get synchronicities to happen and then some of them document and, and stuff and i'll kind of like go uh back and forth on it because it could be a little hair raising at times but um yeah, so it's very interesting to me, the whole uh, question of meaning and how it's conveyed in symbol and what makes a symbol, right? If you have a smell of a daffodil, I mean, that can just be uh, something that you like or don't like. Um, and you might know that it's from a daffodil flower. But then what what happens when, um, you know, you're like, what's this, uh, Proust? Marcel Proust, (laughs) and you're having this uh, highly symbolic uh, uh, association with a particular scent, right, when he has the little tea with the uh, biscuit that he dips in there, all of a sudden it takes him right back to being at his grandmother's house in uh, the French countryside many years before, Um, and he just has all these huge uh, memories, you know, come forth. But that's because it has that had had that meaning assigned mm-hmm. to that smell or associated, knit into that smell for him. So um I was saw someone had because I know I Jay, I think you've made some uh tarot type illustrations, haven't you? A few. Yeah, that's what I thought because Jeffrey likes that. But I was thinking um I was in a Facebook group and um someone had posted Ithil uh tarot, which is very yeah. abstract. She was a um, painter but also a ritual magician, and she had made these tarot cards and they were very uh, specifically to be used with her particular form of uh, ritual magic and my understanding is that you would have been uh, initiated into her particular form of magic. Um, to really get the most out of using these cards, kind of like a, a teaching method. And um, they were all very abstract, you know, very colorful and particular shapes and, and textures. And to me, uh, just because of my own experience, it took me back to, uh, it seemed to me, obviously, a, like a teaching tool where, let to say it's a way to convey certain states of consciousness, <laughs> certain kind of energy structures. So these kind of um, subtle experiences and formations, right? Mm Lots of times, if you're trying to work with people uh, ritually, you need to kind of get on the same wavelength. (laughs) Right. Or you're trying to get in touch with a certain egregore or certain uh, teachers in the past. And it seemed to me like these um, cards were to be used and from what I could tell what she had to say about it uh, in that manner. So it's in a weird way. It kind of bypasses traditional symbolism Right. Represent, representational right. symbolism. And is trying to more get it, as you're saying, subconsciously uh, work with you beneath your thinking brain to create these changes in your subtle body and your subconscious. And then later on, you will most likely have an association, a symbol, symbolic um, meaning that you've knit into these cards but it was frustrating for me because a couple of the people in the group were kind of like i don't like how those look it's like this doesn't have anything to do with how this looks or if you like those colors or if you like the aesthetic or anything it's not working on that level
1: that's um that is really interesting uh i took a couple i'll say two things one before that because um (laughs) i i smell we were talking about smell um that's such a powerful symbol or um now um stephanie knows my father passed back in august and yeah. um one of the things that i experienced uh probably a couple months ago now this is a i don't know how to describe this it's it smells like the inside of the man's pickup truck yeah okay it's, yeah. he's got a his it's like it's the inside of my dad's 04 silverado sit in my living room and i smell that
2: a lot of people will smell like their grandmother's pocketbook it sounds very you know
1: something like that but i'm just like that is like i was like that is a hundred percent my dad like or at least like that is you know just but is as without um it's really funny how it's you know you think about that what's the easiest way to convey that it's me and i'm here and this is you know, no uh, ambiguity. But it's like, well, there's that smell of the inside of the truck. There's nothing else like that that I know, you know, nothing It's not associated with anything else in my memory.
0: Yeah. i know uh, justin kutchen uh, has a book about that i can't
1: remember the name of it or something like that ecology of the afterlife or something Is that no, about, he did, that, about he the did,
2: smells he did one I'll, I'll look it up he did one all okay. on smells but yeah i think uh, that then, oh yeah
1: okay but the other thing about the cards that you were saying so um one of the other ideas i've been thinking about a lot and trying to work with um is not looking at art but when you're creating um and i took uh took a class at the ryan institute um, online and this was with uh, dr Chantal topero hmm. okay she used to be uh, an aerospace engineer now she's into sci and and she, she was a ufo investigator for a while and she's, she's done a lot of stuff and um we did a lot of historical overview and it's kind of like what you're talking about with your friend um the the monk Mm -hmm. of um investing yourself in what you're creating but what I ended up thinking about was uh how when and this is this is a thing that's hard to explain when I I went to art school Studied um, drawing and printmaking, and I went into graphic design, and I went ahead and taught it later on. And it's difficult to give people rules. Like there's really basic rules, and then I'm kind of like, you've got to do it and hone your um, ability to create. You just have to do a lot of stuff and work on it, and um, I was reading a book uh, called uh, The Secret Art by Duncan Lurie. He's a Mm. guy. He's a a sculptor, but it's all about radionics. Okay. Okay. Um, And he compared the kind of the same thing, uh, the selection and a radionic instrument to the creation, the decisions an artist makes when you're creating a piece to dowsing to the impulse of knowing that you're going in the right direction or not. And it sounds like kind of with the tarot cards that she's done that. And it's, it's what Lori was saying. You're creating, um, he would say, you know, you're creating a piece of radionic art that's having this effect. It's like, she's already done the the programming of it. She's gone through her and her, her, um, Not that there's not esoteric knowledge involved, but there's also still that real, real primal dowsing reflex in there that just kind of this way or that way and created that that's supposed to move you to that state without you having to do all the heavy lifting on your own.
2: Yeah. And, And to give you, yeah, like a little bit of a path to get there. Or yeah. a rope that you can hold on to, yeah. No, I would. Uh, I would very much agree. Yeah,
1: I rather that than UFO
0: tarot, I missed the Kickstarter when I have flu and oh. COVID. Oh, oh, I hate it. It drives me. I collect tarot and I missed it. I've heard rumor maybe I'm able to get one in the future somehow, but I don't know. Um,
1: if he lets you do, I'm on that one. If he lets you do add-ons, I'll grab one for you. Ooh, and I'm waiting yeah. for that to finish. Uh-huh. Um, Is that I have that on there. No? Yeah. I have just started getting into tarot a little bit myself this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I generally, I don't generally not interested in divination because mm-hmm. I have anxiety and I'm like, I don't want to know. You know, <laughs> like no. if you. Uh, <laughs> You can. I,
0: I, yeah, I added you to Facebook. Let me know, and if that happens, all uh, right. I'll PayPal it to you or whatever, whatever
1: costs. We'll figure. Okay. We'll figure something I, out then. That sounds. I'm good.
0: for it. Like I missed I'm,
1: it. Ugh. I just. Say- you know, the only thing I will say is I get to sit on Wine all day because of my job. So when that stuff like pops, I'm right on it. I'm like, get oh, this, shit. like getting that one, because I just got um. They just did the, um, they reprinted, uh, Osman Spares tarot. Mm, yeah. I got that one. That's nice. Yeah. He is the guy basically that invent, and you're talking about art in the paranormal. He is the originator of sigil magic. You know, you're going to create one of your, instead of doing, um, kind of the high ritual stuff that was in vogue at the time that was sort of like the tail. end. I think he was at like, kind of, he was a contemporary of Crowley in the forties and those guys were really promoting the high ritual stuff. And he was like, I am going to put all of my energy into the creation of a piece of art that does the thing I want to do magically whether it's like protection or um i don't really know exactly what his goals were
0: i've heard of a, a, he had was, wizard guys on like these dudes yeah. that say they're really wizards and uh that names come up but next our our first march guest is don webb his new books how to become a modern magus a manual for a major how do you say it m-a-g-u-s magus magus Mages, Mages, okay. A manual for magicians of all schools. So We've had, okay. I've had that name come up with them, I know.
1: I've already failed Mages class by saying it wrong. So, I'm yeah, out. Yeah, like, It's like we're already.
0: We're, <laughs> out. we're out. We're out. Um, Don Lip has weird uh, Temple of Set connections that creep me out, but I still. Okay. Like
2: <laughs> yeah i guess spare he he was uh born in 1886 and died in 1956 and um so he you can see i don't know if you can see this picture here he is a young guy he yeah. was very cute he was uh trained as an artist and worked as an artist and draftsman but he developed this whole idea of sigilization to um uh, facilitate the uh, uh, connection between the unconscious and the conscious self. He made these fantastic um, drawings, and uh, his his line was really beautiful, and very much of that kind of uh, Bellapoch style.
1: Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. He, yeah. Uh, what's crazy about him is he was you know he was a literal uh, contemporary of the surrealists, and they never heard of him at all. You know, he was working in in obscurity in england as an artist because all of those guys were actually uh really into the occult revival of the time and that was a major major influence for them yeah in their work and they just didn't know that he was doing his thing because literally what you just said is uh, is baked into the into the early surrealist manifesto it's in a lot of their writings and uh i think they were um not hoping for literal effect, though. Is the, is the difference?
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder about some of the surrealists, but I don't really know. Like someone like uh, Remedios Varro or Leonora Carrington, I kind of have my suspicions about. But um
1: there's a real. Yeah. I'm. I'm going to recommend. There's a really. It's a slim book. It's a hundred pages. I'm reading it. Surrealism and the Occult. Pick mm-hmm. it up. Um, because it's already, I'm on chapter six and it's about sex magic Mm -hmm. and folks. And I'm just like, oh, this is right up. I should have told you this days ago, but (laughs) this is right up your alley. This is right up your, your interest because, um, I've already recommended this book to a few other people. Because It's just, it's concise and right to the point. By Nadia Kauta. Yep. You got it.
0: I've been looking up a lot of stuff y'all mentioned and saving it so I can
1: look out later. The real, at some point, the real, the biggest conspiracy in the world, the most powerful mages somewhere is a bookseller or a printer that (laughs) casts a spell on all of us that if any of us get interested in this side of life, you're immediately falling under the spell to buy books more <laughs> books over there's always another really it's interesting. It's always the new book. book. Always <laughs> a new book, or always a book that you haven't heard of that somebody brings up, like, oh, you haven't read that? You'd really like it. And you're like, uh, it's yep. another like there's another twenty bucks, or unfortunately, a lot of stuff being out of print and just being like you know the people on eBay that are asking three to five hundred dollars for stuff, and you're like, oh, I guess I'll, I'll either find a PDF or I'll never read this." Yep.
2: Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny you were talking about um since since we're talking about art and paranormal, um, I am wondering, uh, kind of hearkening back a little bit to your um your instruments for ghosts. Yes. <laughs> but I'm wondering because. Well, I had recently um, been uh, looking on uh, Twitter at Shannon Taggart, who is a photographer and a researcher. And she's done a lot about, um, like, uh, uh, spiritualists and old-timey seances. She'll take photographs. Yeah, I know
1: who you're talking about.
2: And she is... um, researching right now she has the full access to the archives of the uh, sorat organization s-o-r-r-a-t Okay. and this was start started by uh Ni- oh god i'm mean, gonna reinhold newbert Nybert. anyway i um they were an organization started in the 60s by a college professor and some other people and the idea was that uh they would try and precipitate uh, old timey types of seance effects and they had a lot of success and they had people going at this as a group for like over 30 years. It's this whole uh, thing. Uh, I had done a show on the farm. It's, I think it's only available uh, through Patreon now. Don't quote me on that. Um, and, and we have, we're doing a a show on uh, groups and people that actually try and uh you know, call up effects, right? Okay. Like T- Ted Owens, like the PK man. He's like, okay, I'm going to call up a UFO instead of just sitting around with my thumb up my <laughs> I'm Right. knee. am going to go out there and get him. Um, So SORT was very similar. They had a, a number of different uh, things that they would do. Uh, interestingly, they were really big on rapport, like the relationship between people in the group okay. and the group and the people that they were channeling because the guy who uh, founded it ended up um, – dying because he was he started it when he was like 80 or something and uh then after that people would channel him and he would talk to new people in the group um so that is and i've i found it to be the case as well that there are certain people that you just jibe with and um you know if you're just gonna like collaborate on even like a painting or a uh, song or writing or recording i mean you're gonna have people that you work with better than others same with side effects, um, but I thought about a lot of the old timey, uh, like a classic poltergeist case and stuff. Because you're talking about books, and one of my favorite ones is Poltergeist by Colin Wilson, and he talks about some weird, weird poltergeist stuff. But there would be things where, um, uh, like, a lot of I don't know, a lot. Many poltergeists have been reported that they will find a piece of paper and they will write in it that they'll by using making pinpricks right pinholes in it okay it's like a very weird thing uh some of them will start out and then they'll uh, develop cursive um there was one and i don't know why i thought of this but you were talking about material effects and stuff and there was a strange poltergeist case in old new england i think it was in america and it was a religious family and what they would do is like they would go out to the garden or go out to church and come back home and what and this was like in the 1860s I don't know somewhere okay. around there they would come home and um I don't know if you ever did this when you were a kid but you take like your pillows and blankets and your clothing and you kind of make like a dummy of a person I've never
1: done that but sure
2: we I don't know why we okay. did that a few times as kids okay but yeah you, you can do it It's uh, popular if you are in Alcatraz and digging a hole and then you went went (laughs) to jailers and think you're still there, right? That type of idea. So, this poltergeist would make these elaborate tableau, and it would be like mom and and two kids and they're all the two kids are praying and mom has the Bible, you know, and just like lickety in like maybe 10 minutes or something. And then all this had been done with all their clothes in the parlor. Wow. Really elaborate stuff. And then, you know, Jeff was, uh, the mongoose was uh, very big on uh, singing and making up little uh, cute sayings, same with the bell witch. So it's interesting to me how many of these, and I think, you know, someone like Nandor Frodo would say, well, it's because it's the subconscious of the people who are the focus. But um, again, you have these strange things, but then it could be very uh, aesthetic, have like an, an aesthetic sense to it as well, which strikes me. Oh, and before I forget... Um, Joshua Cutton, Cutchen's book is The Brimstone Deceit, and he's talking about the supernatural uh, story of smells. Okay.
0: Nice. Wow. I still need okay. to get the rest of his Bigfoot books he wrote with somebody. I have the first one, but those are pretty interesting.
2: Uh, I man. only
1: have his uh, Where the Footsteps End, about the, the weirder yeah, side of the Bigfoot. Encounter. Bigfoot encounters. There's another yeah.
0: one. Oh. Yeah. I know... Well, I know uh, real quick, while remembering yeah. this. I know Forrest Ackerman, the guy from Monsters of Land. I've had Paul David on before. He, he did like some sci-fi documentary about him afterlife of Forrest Ackerman. But something weird happened with ink after
2: that's Forrest actually 5. a fantastic example. I don't know where uh, there would be more recent information about that, But yes, that was part of what came through is because Forrest Ackerman had been this guy who was um really into horror. And he uh, knew a lot of horror writers and stuff. And he um, had a lot of uh, memorabilia, various kind of horror memorabilia and stuff. And he had very particular ways that like, that he would like to um, write to people or communicate with people that he was friends with. So then after he died, they had these very strong um, synchronicities and uh, experiences. I think, yeah, and like you're saying, Jeffrey, I forget the exact... Uh, uh, what happened but it's something with ink and uh it had a very strong aesthetic component to it that it would be forest as opposed to just like oh you know the uh something you know my shoe fell over in the corner of the room right yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah. that but it was yeah. very specifically his kind of personality and uh personal interest came through um so in these experiences John webb
0: met Forrest ackerman and went to his house and he got to see this copy of Dracula that had like all these different people's autograph that played Dracula, like forever, like probably like Cushing and you know oh, history, wow. stuff like that. Like it was just a copy of Dracula with autographs of everyone that's played Dracula. I don't think Max Shrek was in there or anything, but still, yeah, <laughs> yeah, too <Yeah. laughs> But uh, Win Info maybe, I don't know if that was true. But there was a bunch in there. Is my point, but yeah, that's an interesting story so so jay what kind of art do you draw usually i mean we I I um, to see it is it paranormal? you know what, what
1: not a is- lot um i've been in the last couple years more of a photographer um and this is just uh it's sad but i've got a little bit of like a persistent tendonitis in the shoulder and some other stuff that keeps me like I had one day where I was sat down to draw and I got really yeah. um, my hand like seized up and stuff so I'm trying to baby myself a little bit um, I have a 1977.studio website is where you can see a lot of my art um, that is photography and I've got it hasn't been updated in a while don't buy anything Thing, no I'm serious like don't because what 1977. studio and uh, I say don't buy anything because my printers out of action I everything that I had for sale on there I should actually this is a good I got to take the the shop down because I had um, I have a photo printer and I was doing prints for people but the photo printers out of commission right now. And some of the stuff um, does relate indirectly because a lot of what I ended up experimenting with, um, photog- with photography, was being less literal and trying to communicate those more difficult to articulate emotions and feelings, and trying, to, trying to be more abstract as a photographer. Um, when i was drawing i do a lot of a lot of detailed pencil stuff that's um quasi surreal i like always liked um renee mcgreet the
2: mm.
1: he's a little bit more of the one of the um surrealists that really um i want to say he, his style is realistic in depicting the unrealistic i was, was a fan of his but i'm a terrible painter so i stuck to drawing to one that was... I just could not grasp painting when I was in school. Really funny. Um, but a lot of my photo work is on there. And I haven't updated it in a while. But I... Have a good... i got to take that star off of there. That's getting me crazy now. But uh, <laughs> I gotta. Um, I've got a good selection of stuff on there for... I did two self-published um, photo books a couple years ago, and you can see the work from those on there too.
2: What type of camera do you like to use? Set up. Um, I have
1: a, I have a bunch of them hmm. because I ended up going crazy and buying a bunch of them. But I have um, generally take out uh, my dad left me his minolta that he's he had forever i have an old minolta srt 101 35 millimeter camera okay. i use that forever i like to take that out and then um i have a uh sony a7s2 which is it. they made it for video but its main thing is you can take pictures in extreme low light and extreme darkness and nice. i keep thinking of selling it but then i keep thinking i'm going to go like get back out and start going on and maybe i'll go on it's like some people a lot of people now i've seen praise it that are like trying to go on look for bigfoot at night or go on at house and stuff just because it can really take pictures in in darkness without being like i have a um night vision scope that is also a camera and those throw um, infrared light out. And mm-hmm. instead of that, the Sony just is that it's just really sensitive. The sensor is so it's just visible
2: light, but you know. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you're not using any artificial IR illumination on it.
2: So what type of lenses do you like to use?
1: Um, I, okay. So this is like blasphemy to photo people. I, I like love to, to hear use, this stuff. No, uh-huh. I like to use all in ones because mm-hmm. I, like I, I have primes. Everybody has prime lenses. Um, I don't like lugging a bunch of stuff with me. I think one of the things when I, the like, this is this is a, um, got to be like a weird thing for me. Um, when I would go places to shoot, I would a lot of times when I go on vacation, I would also go with the idea that I'm going to shoot. And I remember I was out in Chicago in 2017, and I took four cameras with me. <laughs> and I'm like, you know the scene in um, Commando where Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, he's going to go, it's like prelude to the final action scene, <laughs> he's like arming himself, and like, straight, he's got, you know, strapping all the stuff on. That was like me with the camera. So I'm just like, but 35 millimeter, I got the digital, I've got the compact 35 millimeter, and I've got this other thing with this other lens, just so I can grab this other lens and shoot for that. And I ended up driving myself nuts. Yeah. Only thing I will say is it's good exercise. And tearing around, you know, but uh I like I like all at once. So I will carry, I usually, um, for, for the Sony, I got a really nice continuous F2, um, like 28 to 70. Mm-hmm. And I just roll with that. And usually if I now, since it's a hand legacy camera, my dad shot all primes for the Minolta. So that's usually, I take the 50 out. Because the mm-hmm. uh, 50 Minolta was like stopped down to F1.4. Mm-hmm. So, again, if you want to set it on something and open it all the way up and capture a lot of light, you you can really easily with that. But I got into a lot of um, experimental optics, too. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought before. Now, I don't think you can get the stuff now, maybe because of the war. But Mm -hmm. there was a lot of old Soviet glass in russia and ukraine for sale on ebay that you could adapt if you had a digital camera Mm mirrorless like sony you could just screw an adapter on and use that Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff was like bad copies of famous german lenses Mm -hmm. and you would get weird effects from a lot of it um, just because you would get um just like either aberrations in the lens or i have one where it's like they left they did something with the coating and everything um you know that scene in like the movie where it's like romantic and the woman is running through like the field and it's that kind of soft focus like i don't think it's not supposed to do that but they screwed something up and it did yep yep. um and i was even experimenting for a while on my website some of the uh pictures of how we felt series were shot, um, free lensing, Mm -hmm. which is where you actually just detach the lens off the body and Mm. you're kind of like, um, just holding it up and partially focusing and letting light leak and getting weird with it. So I like to get weird with it. Unfortunately, um, with the price of film, I'm shooting digital. Film is really expensive now. And uh, I, uh, I gave a lot of film to um, Bex Atwood because I was yeah. shooting it. And she has a, her own dark room, which I don't. Yeah. So.
2: Um, My brother uh, does a lot of nature photography.
1: Yes, I've seen his stuff.
2: Yeah. And he, yeah. he's like a complete gearhead and has like these huge yeah. lenses and everything. But he uses it very precisely. And he works for a uh, fly fishing shop. And they, you know, so he does like promotional videos for them and, and and some photography as well, but it cracks me up because so much of it is, um, technical, but at the same time you have to have the eye. I have a, a cousin of mine who is an actor and, um, recently he uh is in some kind of like a a web comedy series and it's all shot shot on iphone um because they're you know trying to do it real low budget and everything it still looks good but it was funny because um i was looking at i was thinking dang that is a a good looking guy he looks like my grandpa (laughs) (laughs) which was funny but he actually he did a lot of photography with um back in the day with his own he'd make pinhole cameras yes he, but he would never tell me like what he was like he it was like his secret recipe for <laughs> cuz he was like these kind of weird like if you're um like at, at the top of a hill and there's a like kind of like a canyon down there or something and yeah. like weeds and then it's kind of like yeah. weirdly positioned like pinhole yeah they're pretty striking and he had them exhibited but um it's kind of funny how much and then for me it's like you know i've had a uh, a terrible uh, nerve damage and lupus and all type of BS uh, through my life so i just take a lot of stuff i mean i have my iphone camera but the, could...
1: um, yeah talk about developing the eye though it's really funny um the first photos i i took photography in school the my the prof told me I had a great future. If I was going to go into, uh, get my real estate license and just take pictures of the house. Cause they were really pictures of the house houses. My stuff was boring. And that was like, That's gotta nice. work, gotta <laughs> work it, gotta work on the eye. What's really funny about the pinholes, um, is those are really similar. You see those old, you know, the old, portrait photos of the guy with the, the big box camera and he's got the the thing draped over him and stuff the way those work was pinholes is really similar to those and yep. um and this is really funny in in retrospect because uh all that all those you know early spirit photographs that people were faking mm-hmm. so easy Everybody thought those were real but it's just like that's you could create you know if you want to that's like a if you want a fun um, weekend project you could build a pinhole camera and create some 19th century spirit photography here's a here's a quick way to to get a cool one sit in your chair be real still from your waist up and then kick your legs and on the long enough exposure it'll turn your lower extremities into like the it'll blur it all to turn into a mist
2: Uh So you're kind of materializing
1: out of the mist. mist. Um, (laughs) As one does. uh, You know, I think of those like I would like, I mean, those to me are interesting as art, but all of those guys, it's really funny. uh, The spirit photographers were faking everyone out by taking advantage of the technical limitations of the camera that they were they were stuck with.
2: Well, and it's a weird thing, too, because um, I have spent a lot of time in a, a town called Nevada City. It's a gold rush town here in California. Yeah. And it's well known for being haunted. I mean, like the TAPS guys went up yeah. there and okay. everything. Yeah. And for many, it, it it sounds a lot like kind of what I, I think of, like, Chamber of, Commer- Chamber of Commerce Ghosts. It's like, oh, yeah, we have, you know, haunted things here for blah, blah, blah. Oh. Except for if you go up there enough and you notice you could just be like standing on the street someone will come up and start telling you about some weird off-the-wall ghost experience that they had um and some very strong manifestations i was in one uh, bed and breakfast there uh i want to call it it used to be the red castle Inn up on the hill and that's one of the few times i've seen something very frankly move on its own i was actually in the uh, in the bathroom and it's known for having like the thing it's like the ladies like staying in a room uh, next door to two young children and she hears that some nice lady is there talking to them and reading to them from a book for half an hour but it was the ghost right like stuff that's like that over the top and unbelievable gets reported there a lot so I'm thinking yeah right anyway so as soon as we go there I started feeling really uncomfortable then the next morning I was in the bathroom and the thing is is that I'm like I'm like the person who's always neatening the towels right they have to be okay yeah eyes. yeah yeah so i'm in the bathroom and there is a towel rack behind me and then i kind of look over and it's like the rack is here and the the towel is hanging over it the front lip of the towel comes out at like a 45 degree angle and then it starts to slowly very slowly slide off as if there's like two dowels there but oh. only one of them is in is actually in actuality the other one is it's like the ghost doll and that the towel is there very slowly and deliberately just like slides off in front of my face like yeah pick it up bitch <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and you're sitting there it can- that can't have happened that can not and then it's just like and then you're sitting there and it that towel's still just there on the floor so stuff like that now i forgot where i was going with this
1: here's my question for you mm-hmm. though you're yeah. talking about Chamber of Commerce ghosts and stuff. Yeah. Does that stuff happen at a place like that because we expect it? And we're, you're talking about that co-creation. Is there enough energy in the air that you're just, regardless of uh, whether there's a...
2: Well, my know, theory is it's that, okay, it's, it's, it's on granite. There's caves, there's a turbulent history. Uh, it used to actually partly be called actually Coyoteville. So the tricksters there, um, th- there's a-, a lot going on there. Uh, there is, uh, drawn for many years, a number of people who are, you know, uh, tarot people artists, it's a- kind of like burning man North the-, the guy, Larry Harvey, who started burning man, he lived there. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of other artists and designers for burning Man lived there. Um, there's a lot of uh, spiritual practitioners, uh, Reiki people. Um, there is just a lot going on there that would all contribute to this. But when you were talking about um, spirit uh, photography, what cracked yes. me up was that they have a, a really nice museum there in the old uh, firehouse. And it has a spirit painting. It's like a 1870 or something oil painting, a portrait of someone. And there's like, so there was this thing and then one night we didn't know how this picture of this other person this dead person showed up in the corner and it's the corniest thing you'll ever see because it's just like this old-timey portrait right, with the black background and then very obviously painted in the corner (laughs) the supposed ghost who showed up spookily and it's like the same thing it's like it's just like a corny chamber of commerce hoax so you think you're just more willing to blow it (laughs) off but then there's like so many people I've had things... There's, you know, ghost fires there. There's all type of crazy... There's a ghost chicken. I know two people who worked at one spot that okay. had a, a ghost where they would get, like, shoved down the stairs. Oh. Yeah, I mean, really very strong manifestations along with the stuff that's just, like, patently just ridiculous and goofy, so...
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. The ghosts, I'm like... I want to hear tales of the ghost chicken at some point. That, <laughs> that's, like... Yeah. That's a good one. Um.
2: Well, it was in the same place where these uh, two uh, women, uh, you know, had a lot of problems. There'd be like uh, windows banging shut and doors closing and feeling really nervous. And then, yeah, both of them at different times felt like they were got shoved down the stairs. And so they had a psychic come to contact the spirit. They said uh, they thought it was a uh, Nisanon man mm-hmm. from uh, before the gold rush. And they start leaving tobacco offerings and things calmed down. But just as kind of an aside in all of this going on, the lady's like, oh, and there's a ghost chicken.
1: Ghost <laughs> so they- chicken. Oh, I like that. Hey, I-, guys,
0: I, I go ahead and then I got to start closing out.
1: Oh, okay. no problem. I was just going to say the other interesting thing to think about that stuff for me is that you're talking about the guy that can manifest UFOs. because another common thing that, once you once you read enough you you hear about um you can manifest the stuff by hoaxing it like gray barker okay so if you do hang up um enough um schlocky chamber of commerce ghost paintings and spirit photos and stuff are you eventually going to manifest the real thing somehow either you know you're calling it into existence or you're calling it there but um because that was a real famous famous kind of uh, relationship between, uh, I'll call it art, say it's kind of, it's its a hoax, but it's art, you know, yeah. creating the reality that you want to have. And then it's like, then it's, then it starts really happening. It takes off. Yeah. That was my final thought. So. No,
2: that's well, cool.
1: Uh, Jay and Stephanie,
0: thanks so much. It's been a great show. Really thank you, Jay. <laughs> hey,
1: oh, thank perfect. you for having me on. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get shown again sometime. All right. right. Thank and you, I'm, Jeffrey. I definitely yep.
0: enjoyed it. Y'all helped carry me. So I appreciate <laughs> it.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. And then uh, we have a ghost. I'm going to watch that later, hopefully at some point. Some comedy okay. by that guy that did a uh, Happy Birthday, the Death Day. Where the, I never saw those, but I know the. Okay. Like, some lady keeps getting killed in some time loop, but he made like some family movie with that David Harbour's like this bald ghost. <laughs> but uh, it looks actually pretty funny. All comedy. right. It's on Netflix, but uh, I just saw him in Violent Night. That was actually decent. It was pretty violent, but he was Santa yeah. Claus, a Viking that became a Santa Claus. It was good, but I don't know if I'd watch it anytime soon again, but it was a good, <laughs> one good watch. But but uh, I'm going to check out the ghost one. Uh, I want to see that Apocalypse movie by uh, that Cabin one by uh, M. Night Shyamalan, too. That's oh, yeah. I haven't seen that yet. Then the whale. Those just some I wanna see. The whale, I wanna see that with Brendan Fraser. I know that Darren Afnoski or whatever. I have to trouble with his name, but he makes pretty weird movies. Mm. And uh, mm. the whale dude, I don't even know just Brendan Fraser's like really overweight. I don't know. I guess I guess it gets weirder. Usually that guy's movie's pretty weird. Like Fountain of Life or whatever yeah jackman like usually and noah that was weird <laughs> like that was like lord of the rings the bible <laughs> like it was weird but russell crowe played noah I uh, didn't in see the Ark. okay it's a weird one that there's like weird creatures in it like i guess Netflix, i don't know what they are but it's not i don't think it's the greatest thing but it's good for one watch <laughs> there you go <laughs> it's noah yeah russell crowe is noah <laughs> But, but anyway, thanks so much, everybody. And next yeah. week, Don Webb, we're going to get some Wizard on. Yeah. So That sounds oh, fantastic. He also wrote Vampire Magic. That's a weird one. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it is good. That's good. Wham loves it. I need to still finish it. But uh, thanks, everybody. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Stephanie. Take care. Yeah, Thank Bye-bye, you. everyone. Bye-bye.
2: Bye.